this is Idjit, and I'm a Paul Mackey. Today we move on somehow from Mankato to Rothsay, Minnesota. I knowingly used locations that made no sense together. Reality of spatial relations was not a priority. Let's see what trouble can come from a prairie chicken. Really Big Things by Paul Mackey. Episode 6. Prairie Chicken. Eric cocked an eyebrow. Yeah, suppose if he couldn't see me, that would explain a lot. Right. He was supposed to take the pills? Ivo told him to. Let's get out to the lot before that bitch over there gets interested in him, or us. They walked as quickly yet inconspicuously as they could out to the parking lot. Excuse me, sir. Suzette placed her hand on the hood of the car Mike was getting into. Mike started, then sighed and said, Lady, can you get your hand off my car? Eric stepped in front of Suzette as she said, I'm sorry, sir. I wanted to talk to you about a friend we have in common in Wisconsin. Mike's eyes narrowed and his fingers tightened on the car door. Oh, you're part of that whole crackpot scheme, are you? At the same time, Eric said, Can't see me, can he? Suzette's face scrunched in annoyance as she said, Not at all. And she cocked her head emphatically. Eric took the hint and moved back to her side. Not at all, huh? Not in on it, or not a crackpot scheme? Hey, try to get a read on him. This is Ivo's guy, right? Now, now, those, those pills? Lady, I spent a long time huffing diesel exhaust waiting for your guy and came away with nothing. Suzette stiffened as the tall blonde passed between the car and the building. She looked incredulously at Eric as the blonde continued down the road and turned toward town. She jumped back as the car lurched away, Mike having taken advantage of her distraction. Eric sighed as Mike drove away, tires squealing. He's not got a connection to anything, huh? Well, he is Ivo's guy, but doesn't sound like he made the connection. So, Jack fucked us over. I'm not sure, but we could go through the muffler man and get Jack to tell us about it. I got a better idea. You follow Purple Eyes, and I'll track down Jack. Much later, Suzette stood outside the Happy Chef. Eric approached from the highway. Jack wasn't home. You got the Purple Eye covered? Just kind of orbiting between the chef and the bar. Well, not getting in through that chef. Nope. Say, is this still pretty local to Jack? Maybe you could ask the chef. Good idea. Eric crossed the lot, giving the blonde woman a wide berth, spoke with the chef a minute or two, then crossed back to Suzette. He came through, tonight, about two hours ago. Great. Now what? You keep an eye on our company, and I'll go after Jack, of course. Why do I always get the purple eyes duty? Because I'm better at persuading those I question to answer correctly. Ah, you guys, will you uh, check out this huge cock between my legs? Man, you're a fucking idiot. When I said wise guy, I meant smartass. Hold on. I'd like you guys to take a moment of silence while you check out a huge cock between my legs. All right, all right, let's get serious. Chris sighed and leaned against the car next to Jeremy. Before them stood the world's largest prairie chicken. Currently, the chicken was being straddled by one moron who was being egged on by a second moron holding a video camera. 
"'Maybe the world will catch a break "'and that guy will fall on his head getting down from there,' said Chris. "'Jeremy grunted. "'He was in no mood to speculate. "'A long night in a motel room with Chris "'was at least not accompanied by any disturbing visions, "'though he had confirmed that Chris still smacked his lips in his sleep "'like he had back in the dorms. "'This morning they had the continental breakfast, "'neither one mentioning the happy chef or skillets. "'Hey, check out the huge cock between my legs!' Then, at the Sinclair station, while children played on its back, the dinosaur statue's mouth unhinged like a preposterous viper, and a man walked right in. Further up the road, Little Sprout gave several people a boost so they could walk through the foliage of the jolly green giant's chest like a beaded curtain and disappear. At mid-morning, they stopped in Minneapolis, so Chris could upload some of his shots and check some messages. You want to come up? This might take a while. No. I'll wait in the car. Just sort of lie low. You are coming on the next leg of the trip, right? It's only been a day. I'm sure things are still hot here for me right now. Great. All the rest of the morning, all the way to Rothsay, Minnesota, home of the world's largest prairie chicken, Jeremy managed to experience the world without hallucinating. Hey, check out the huge cock between my legs! Now the video pranksters appeared to be wrapping up. Jeremy sighed with relief. Then the chicken made a low rumbling sound, stretched its neck, and two people came tumbling out its rear. Eric sat in darkness for a minute, waiting for his eyes to adjust. Ahead, a small spill of light marked the passage to the entrance of the cave. Once outside, he walked down the hillside to the edge of the forest. There the old tavern stood, smoke puffing lazily from the chimney. The barman did a double take as Eric entered, then looked away conspicuously. I'm the only customer in the place, Sam. You can't avoid me. I know that, sir, he said nervously. And you'll also likely know I'm here looking for that no-good Jack. Yes, sir, the barman said timidly. Well, pour me some ale, and we'll have a friendly chat about our friend, Jack. You have been listening to Really Big Things by Paul Mackey. Suzette was read by Darcy Zeppernick. Music is Chronodermis by Nanochrist. Look them up at www.nanochrist.com. Please send comments and feedback to reallybigthings at gmail.com. Well, we got more of the Eric and Suzette slash Purple Eyes slash Jack story, and that's followed by a whole lot of cock. Honestly, Kevin Geyer of the Week in Whedon podcast gave me so many good reads to choose from, I couldn't pick just one. I probably used too many, though, huh? We now see that Jeremy has been confronted by all manner of wild sights now that he took one of the pills, and we get a meanwhile that's part of an apparent full fantasy setting with Eric going to a tavern in the woods and confronting a humble innkeeper. This was the episode I was eager to get to while setting it all up in the previous five. Time to move on to episode seven of that 80s, 80s, 80s show. So, right to speculate, it could be Katie's 21st birthday. All the previous episodes with drinking had her drinking slightly underage. I thought it was possible this was before the 21 drinking age mandate, but apparently, since the repeal of Prohibition, California has always been a 21-to-drink state. Let's get into Katie's birthday. 
Katie's turning 21, and it all starts with a big club party thrown by Sophia, who apparently won't consider dating anyone but this one heterosexual girl who has firmly stated in the past she's not looking to change. But just as Sophia starts to try again, Owen appears in the club. The gang goes back to the house for a smaller gathering, where Tuesday arrives with a big bottle of Jägermeister, product placement cash, as a gift, though she demands to have it back when she realizes it's a smaller party where socializing will be necessary on a verbal level. Charmingly, she must start with Sophia, and they have an ex-girlfriend-slash-prospective-girlfriend sparring match. This episode is not passing the Bechtel test. Tuesday authentically says her spikes are formed with egg whites and spit. I'm not positive on the spit, but I've definitely hung out with someone with an egg white mohawk back in the day. Roger is unable to move much due to a dance-based foot injury. Margaret drops by to bring Corey some LPs because he forgot to get a gift for Katie, and she's invited to stay by RT, who she appears to have taken a liking to. RT offers Katie a job as director of marketing after she graduates. Following that, Owen proposes marriage. Corey and Tuesday don't see eye to eye about whether she's there to date him or as Katie's friend. Tuesday retreats to the kitchen and Corey follows. They have a spat and then kiss. Tuesday then leaves. Katie laments being confronted with adulthood instead of just partying on her 21st. Job offer and marriage proposal were not in her plan for the night. The job ends up being offered to Sophia. We'll see if that ends up getting plot reset after the episode or if it becomes a story arc. Katie tells Owen they have to wait to get married. The next day, Corey and Tuesday semi-confess they don't know what they're doing. In the credits, Margaret dreams of an almost kiss with R.T., and on waking is just fine with that. The high point is surprisingly Owen. I'm not sure if it's just a case of the writer being better at writing him. It's possible they realized they needed him more well-rounded to be an acceptable suitor. In any case, they seem to eschewed about 90% of his cluelessness and allowed him to have interplay with the rest of the cast where he is not the butt of the joke. Low point? Uh, predictably, Corey and Tuesday have an argument and then kiss. It was easy to see coming, and done much better by Xander and Cordy, and before that, better still by Dave and Maddie. Hopefully you won't need me to explain any of those references. Who won who lost? I guess Roger loses again. He's injured and thinks he's about to get a great new job that's apparently unfairly taken away. Is it an anachronism? Well, I had a hard time with this one. I knew it was a long-standing brand, but I wasn't sure about when Jägermeister began marketing to young drinkers, and I wasn't able to pin anything down. As it is prominently depicted and mentioned by name, it could be more of the 2002 marketing, getting it on the show, than being an authentic reference. But I was still about 10 years out from enjoying any Jägermeister at this point. I also pondered the champagne fountain at the club, but couldn't find anything on when those became popular at all. Crystal Light, and specifically the I Believe in Me slogan, is the only borderline item I could find. If, in fact, that was the jingle the product launched with, then it fits. After beginning test marketing in 1982, Crystal Light drink powder rolled out nationwide in April 1984, just in time for Roger to pick up the catchy jingle earworm. Well, what worked? The writing was on point this time. Owen was not just a moron and was not just there to interact with Katie. Katie and Sophia had a conversation that did not directly involve Sophia hitting on Katie. They even tried out a relationship between RT and Margaret, which makes sense as they didn't seem to be expanding the main cast during this season, not knowing it was the only season. 
Why did it suck? This one can pretty solidly score in the did not suck column. The next episode is called After the Kiss, and I hope that it will work out to be a funny look at the burgeoning relationship and still involve most of the cast. Well, I'm going to go into the torpedo room and hug a heat seeker, if you know what I mean. Happy hunting! You have been listening to the One Idget's Thoughts On podcast, produced by Paul Mackey in association with QuadrupleZ.com. Theme music is Too Good by Jack Mangan and is used by permission from him. If you would like to hear other podcasts by me, you might try The Ghostlight Podcast, a completed intro cast about the TV series Slings and Arrows, or Idgetcast, an intro cast for the TV series Supernatural. Both can be found on fine podcasting listening software everywhere or at quadruplez.com. Love is tough, but so are we.